Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Oh, what a sultry intro. Ooh, hey. Welcome back to another edition of the Eon Project where we haven't been in a long time. Guess we're back. Back again. Mike and Jay are back. That's yeah, a love back, friend. Backstreet Boys song? No, it's an Eminem song. Oh. You like Eminem? Uh, I like the only M&Ms I like are mm-hmm. the the pretzel and chocolate I, I M&Ms. En- I enjoy the pretzel ones as well. Uh, do you like the peanut butter ones? Mm, not so much. Not so much. I like I enjoy the pretzel ones too, but they feel like your, your teeth are gonna break when you eat into them. You know, I, I've never been much of a fan of peanut butter to be honest. No, no, really. I just started, who doesn't like peanut butter? I just started recently eating it. I mix it in my chocolate protein shakes, and uh-huh. it tastes good. I see. Is but, that what you're calling them these days? But other than that, uh, well, we haven't been here in a long time. Nope, it's been a while. It's been. Uh, some of our fans have reached out and wondered what the heck happened to us. Yep. Whether we are alive or dead or yep. or quit. How are your polyps doing? You know, thank you for bringing that up. Mm. I'm going to talk about some health issues in a moment. Oh, okay. That are not quite so severe. Yeah. But anyway, so we haven't had a show in uh, since Christmas time, and now we're in the middle of January. That's right. It's been before Christmas, and uh, but you know the, the holidays are a. Uh, uh, it's a time of uh, you know confusion mm-hmm. and uh, confusion, <laughs> bewilderment, all kinds of uh, strange shenanigans, alcoholism. <laughs> so, uh, but you know your holidays were good, I'm sure, right? Everybody's holiday was good. You know, oh, we had, it's, it's had, nice. had a nice low key holiday, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been, we enjoyed a, a a horrible winter storm last week, where uh, where we dropped about a foot and a half of snow. We did, but it's all gone now. It's all gone. We had a couple of days of, of Indian summer. We're going to talk about Indians later too. Oh, Indian howls, not Indian dots. Okay. So this this week's episode, we're going to be discussing a few different things, and we're kind of going back to the roots of the program. And I mm. think the roots of the of this program are lie with the unexplained mm. and the mysterious. Ooh, their roots, uh, their roots deep dig into the earth like a tall oak tree, mm-hmm. just like that. So right. we're going to do various uh, various <laughs> unexplained mysteries. Yep, unexplained and unsolved mysteries that uh, that are, are mysterious. Not quite. Uh, some of them are more lighthearted than others, mm. uh, but some of them involve some. Uh, some subject matter that is uh, kind of disturbing. You know what's quite mysterious? What's that? Um, and, and so I did something the other day that I'm not proud of, but it's something I've been uh, suffering from recently. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've been in denial, but I cannot deny it any longer. Okay. I'm, as I get older, my hair is turning white. <laughs> I'm getting... That uh, happens. <laughs> I'm getting long gray hair everywhere. And yes. the other morning, I looked into the mirror, and I and it looked like I, I there was a, like a white thread on my, on my head. Uh-oh. It was like four inches long. And but it was in, it was in, buried in my skull. Okay. So I pulled it out, and uh, it made me it made me sick. So the reason I say that is because I went to the local uh, consumer value store. Oh. Right after that, mm-hmm. and I got a uh, a a, uh, a name brand uh, hair dye for men. Don't plug it because uh, they're not sponsoring the program. That it, it supposedly takes the gray out. You, you actually colored your hair. I did. That's too bad. It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't take. My hair rejected it. Really, the, the white hair rejected the dye, like a like an unwanted appendix, and uh, and so I guess I'm I'm uh, forever cursed to slowly. Uh, your, your hair was like an old man trying to send back soup at a deli. That's right, didn't want it. Nope. Well, that's interesting. You know, leads me to uh, to to my health discussion. Oh, which uh, is not really that uh, not severe, not as severe as gray hair. Okay. But you may or may not know because I have not disclosed this to you. I don't think mm. uh, I had a problem with my hand uh, over the past. Uh, uh, 
few was it, was months. Was it cramping up on you? A few months or so. And it turned it out. It turned it out. It turned out that I needed a very small surgical procedure to correct something. Okay. Uh, it was like a five-minute thing. It really wasn't much of a big deal. Uh-huh. But but that's not the reason that I'm telling this story. Which hand was this? It was the right hand, the dominant hand. Oh, so you... Okay. Well, so let, don't, don't jump ahead. I, I won't, but I know where you're going. So... Uh, as a result, my hand had to be in, uh, bandaged up for probably about a week and a half, two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was my dominant hand, as I had mentioned before. Now, what many people don't know is that when your dominant hand is now incapacitated, correct? You, your other hand must now take up the slack. That's right. So certain everyday tasks become more difficult. Mm. One of them included in the bathroom, where when attempting to clean oneself mm. after a movement of kinds, yes. you are used to doing it one way. Now... I encourage everyone listening to this program to try to clean themselves with the non-dominant hand. Just to kind of add a little spice to their routine. Add some spice. See yeah. if it works. Yeah. See how see how bad you, you do. Mm. Because, uh, and even film it, perhaps. And put it on YouTube. Yeah, don't do that. Oh, all right. I don't want to see it. But if you do happen to do it, 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 it becomes more and more difficult to do. Uh, you feel like you're not getting a good clean in there. Yeah. Uh, you end up having to take a shower afterwards. Do you feel like you got used to it after a while, though? You know what? After a few days, it becomes more and more easy. I can't say that I got used to it. Mm. But it does become easier. So I think people take it for granted their dominant hand. What about some other man tasks that well, you uh Yeah, opening partake opening uh, containers oh. uh, with your with your non dominant uh-huh. hand is hard to do. Okay. Uh, with well one handed. Okay. But it also comes in very handy when uh, when the wife has to do all the dishes and stuff because mm. you can't Oh, I can't, you know, I can't do it. My hand is... How about milking the goat? Do you have? Did you have a problem with uh, that? Well, no. My goat's been uh, up in the pen for a while. Okay. So, no. All right. He hasn't needed it. He hasn't needed a good milking? Or she, as it were. Oh, I guess it would be a she. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, so we're going to get into some unexplained mysteries mm. from history and the present day. Okay, let's do this. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is actually gained some prominent, some prominence mm-hmm. lately. We're going to talk first about the lost colony of Roanoke. Okay. You're familiar with this story? I've heard of it. Okay, but you probably don't know... I don't know all the details. Some of the, de- some of the details. This is, as I said, become prominent lately because there was a show on the History Channel about some new evidence, supposedly. Yep. yep. But let me give you a little bit of background about the lost colony of Roanoke. So the Roanoke colony was founded, obviously this is in Roanoke, Virginia. Sure. Was founded in 1585 by Sir Walter Raleigh. Remember him? I do. That's the dude that he's always pictured with that large white doily thingy around his neck. Wasn't he the lead singer of a 1980s rock band as well? He could have been, mm. with that big brown doily thing yep. that went around his neck. Very masculine, that thing. But in any case, the colony was founded about 50 miles north of present-day Cape Hatteras. Mm-hmm. You familiar with that area? I believe that's North Carolina. That is, but it's 50 miles north on one of those little uh, barrier island thingies. You know, you ever see a barrier island? It's like it's like an island, but it's not really. It kind of juts out sure. into the waters. Yep. No idea why they decided to, to pick that area, but they did. And they founded the uh, the colony of Roanoke in 1585. All of a sudden, they had problems growing food, as you would have to imagine. Uh, they couldn't grow their own food. They they misunderestimated. That's not a word. They misunderestimated the uh, the troubles that they would have. Uh-huh. And they kept being attacked by hostile natives who, for some reason, were upset that uninvited people were squatting. So if they misunderestimated it, then they estimated it properly. Right. Okay. So some Indian attacks and whatnot. And they decided that they were going to call it a day and return back to England the very next year. Right. So that was a failure. The 1585 expedition was a failure. However, in 1587, a man by the name of John White, which is a very, very uh, spicy name. Mm. It's a very exotic name, John yep. White. Yep. Uh, brought another 100 colonists back to Roanoke to try it again. So they decided to come back. They're going to try it again. This time they brought 100 colonists, including women and children. So they didn't think to maybe try a different part of the nope. co- coastline. Nope. We're going to go right back to where we were. All right. 
That's probably because their GPS remembers. I was going to say that's location. that's pretty uh, that's pretty good to get right back there. Yeah. Anyway, the hundred colonists came back, to, including the women, and children, as I said before. So they tried to get established and whatnot, including uh, the first European child born in the New World, and her name was Anne White, Virginia Dare. Oh, that's a trivia question for you. Gotcha. The first European child bo- uh, born in the in the New World was named Virginia Dare. The colonists are trying to get established and whatnot, and Mr. White decides, after a couple of months, that he's going to return to England for some more supplies. Mm-hmm. So, that you know, he's going to leave the colony behind. He's going to travel back to England to get some supplies and some reinforcements and whatnot. He, uh, he goes back, but it, he, instead of being able to come right back with the supplies, he, met, he meets with some delays, most, mostly due to a war with Spain and some other stuff. So the Spanish Armada and all that junk oh, that's yeah, going yeah. on. That'll, that'll delay you. That's going to delay you, the war with Spain. So he couldn't get back to Roanoke for another three years. Okay, so that's oh, a long so time. so he left them oh, on their own, essentially. Left them on their own for three years, saying, I'm going to be right back, and you didn't come back. You ever been left someplace, maybe by a parent when you're young, and they say, I'm going to be right back? You start to get really nervous, right? Yeah. Especially when they don't come back right away. Yeah, Well, scary. this was three years later. Mm. He comes back, and he finds, guess what? He everyone's, finds nobody. Everyone's gone, vanished. The Roanoke colony is now abandoned. There's no one there. Of course, it's three years later, which is a long time, but not that long. The only clue found was the word Croatoan, C-R-O-A-T-O-A-N, which was carved into the outer wall of the little fort thingy that they had. They okay. had those little, you know, those little frontier forts. Yeah, that yeah, they, with they the, used with to the, make. Uh, the spikes there. Yeah, yeah. So the word Croatoan was was found carved. Now, Croatoan was the name of an Indian tribe that was lived in the area. But, but they were known to be friendly with the English, and they had traded with them before. So it's it's not implausible that they would have carved the name Croatoan, indicating that they would go live with the Croatoans. Or maybe they had some sort of alliance. Sure. Or maybe they had some f- sort of fight with them. Yeah. No one's quite sure. They checked with the local Croatoans, and they weren't there. Croatoan also is the name of an island which stands about 50 miles away from the Roanoke colony. Mm. So the, the speculation was that perhaps they pulled up stakes and wanted to, to start their colony on the, on the Croatoan island. Sure. But the island was searched and nothing was ever found. No one was ever able to establish what happened to the colonists. So they just up and disappeared and mm-hmm. they were never found again. However, there are some theories. Oh. Would you like to hear the theories? I do. About what happened? Aliens. Well, e- aliens is probably at the end of the list, but it is on there. Okay. So the first one. The colonists tried to resettle in another area. That's probably the most... That makes sense. The most uh, making sense one, right? But they never found them. Anyway. Never found them. Yeah. They, number two, they tried, to, they tried to sail back to England. So maybe, you know, they waited for a year or so, and uh, the guy didn't come back, so they figured, hey, let's construct a rude sailboat and mm. try to get back to England, which that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, that's probably they, not they too would have, plausible. Probably not too plausible. Also, here's another theory. They were absorbed by other Indian tribes in the area. This one has some plausibility because in later years, other settlers to the area reported seeing fair-haired natives. You know, because they had right. dark hair, right? And the colonists, some of them had fair hair, so they fought, saw they just assimilated into assimilated the tribes. Assimilated into the tribes and yep. intermarried That's and right. started to live with them. Also, there was some evidence of stone buildings in Indian villages, which is a technology the Indians did not use. They did not use stone to they build. They didn't really buildings. build in stone. That's right. No. So those are the most plausible theories. Mm. Here's some far-fetched ones that are kind of in the line with our show. Okay. Indians reported some strange phenomenon around the area at the time, such as birds falling dead from the sky in large numbers. Mm. Maybe some sort of atmospheric change happened that caused the disappearance, or maybe there was some sort of natural phenomenon that wiped them out. I see. But they would have, you would have figured they would have found some sort of bones or some other type of right. ev- evidence, right? Here's another one. Maybe they turned on each other. And they, maybe they, you know, the, they, uh, the colonists started to infight, 
and killed each other off or dr- at least drove each other away from mm. the colony itself. Maybe it was a plague. Maybe some sort of plague. As, but, but again, all these all of these possibilities would be backed up by some sort of evidence. You would find the bodies or, or the, right. at least the bones at that point. Uh, but every once in a while, some new supposed evidence pops up. Some sort of... <laughs> Here's one, and this is very strange. I had never heard this before, before, and I had had heard lots about the Roanoke Colony before. There's some sort of weird significance with the word Croatoan, as it had it has been present at a lot of strange events throughout like, history, not just related to this. Okay, you're familiar with the author Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, absolutely. Poe rhymes with toe. Quote the Raven Devil. Edgar Allan Poe who famously was found wandering the streets of Baltimore in a state of delirium right before his death. You're aware of this? Hey, he was a drunkard. Well, that's what they say. However, he has said on his deathbed to be muttering incoherently, except he is said to have have uttered the word Croatoan right before he died. I see. What what does that have to do with Edward He was summoning something. Hmm. This mysterious word was also found scribbled in the journal of Amelia Earhart after her disappearance in 1937. Yes. Horror author Ambrose Bierce, you're familiar with him? Yep. Vanished in Mexico in 1913. Before Mex- he was like a, he was going on some sort of journey there. Before he disappeared in 1913, the bed he last slept in had the word Croatoan carved into the bedpost. Oh my God! The notorious stagecoach robber Black Bart. You familiar with Black Bart? Oh, uh, Black Bart. He wasn't black, I don't think. And his uh, brother Blue Ben. He etched the word Croatoan into the wall of his prison cell right before his release in 1888, and he was never seen again. Croatoan was also written on the last page of the logbook of the notorious ghost ship Carol A. Deering in 1921 when it ran aground on Cape Hatteras, missing its crew, mm. right by what was once called Croatoan Island. So here's just a few weird circumstances where the, where the word has shown up. Now, what the significance of the word is, I don't know. I'm not that smart. What do you think? Didn't Isn't that what, uh, didn't Ozzy Osbourne carve that in his arm when he was kicked out of Black Sabbath? That was after peeing on the, on the Alamo. Oh. No, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, uh, historically speaking, we don't really know, aside from the what you the, you know the two things that you mentioned, as far as the Indian tribe right. and the island with the same name, right. does it have some sort of mysteric, uh, mysterious or mystical well, when you think meaning about it, to it? It may, because when you think about it, three years is not an awful lot of time. They would have found, if there's 100 people, and they did assimilate with local tribes, you'd think you would have found a couple of them wandering around. So they, didn't, they never even found any... Nope. Um, never found any of them. No, no, no bones of any kind? Nope, never found them. See, I thought they did. No, no, not, I mean, okay. I could be. I mean, because my, my 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 thought process would be, um, you know, they had some harsh winters. Um, some of them died off. There probably weren't enough of them left to sustain themselves. Right, and then so they, they assimilated into the into the local populace. Yeah. yeah, it could be. Anyway, that's the history of the story of Roanoke. It's interesting. I mean, I don't think it's one of those mysteries. I don't think we'll ever completely understand. Or, well, or at this point, you know, there was and and just a slight uh, note to the end of this story. There was a report recently that a gold ring was found that they could attribute back to the Croton sail uh, to the uh, Roanoke settlers. Sure, uh, and it was found on a barrier island about fifty miles away from the the colony. But it was actually determined that it was made much later. Uh, they deter- they first thought it was from that time period. It turns out it was from about a hundred years later. I'd like to go back. Actually, now that I think about it, go back to the one theory where you said that they made a uh, that they built themselves a ship. Right. I mean, I guess that could make sense too, right? I mean, they they were sure uh, they try to they try to sail back to England. They didn't and they make just it don't far, make probably. It. Right. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of the Castaway movie with uh, Tom Hanks mm. when he created a a raft out of a porta potty and some sticks. Yeah, uh, it, it may work for him though. 
Except uh, Wilson didn't make it. You know, that was that was a uh, it was a good film in the sense that uh, you know it was different. It's interesting. There never been anything made like that before. I think I, I watched it once and I don't want to watch it again. He lost either. like seventy pounds for the for the film. You know, Tom Hanks is a pretty good actor, but he's the same guy in every single movie. You know, it's a great series that just came out. It's on Amazon. What's that? Jean Claude Van Johnson. Oh yes, is that the, it's like a parody of him of himself. Right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I think I saw the first one. Uh, it came out about a year ago, right? They did like a pilot. They did, yeah. But the series is out now. It's, oh, uh, it's pretty fun. If you enjoyed, I did like. If you first. enjoyed Van Damme from the '80s, yes, and all of his uh, '80s and '90s of all those crazy movies that he did, which I was a huge fan. Didn't he get a start as a ballerina? He was a ballerina. He See, was not an action star. When I when I was a kid, the first movie I saw with Van Damme and it was Bloodsport, of course. Of course, that was a great movie. And uh, oh man, did I love Bloodsport? I was into the martial arts movies back mm, then. Everybody was. And uh, Van Damme was my hero. I thought that he could uh, he could beat the britches off of anybody. <laughs> and then uh, until I found out years later that he got his start as a ballerina. Uh-huh. That's why he was so flexible and he could do all the splits. You know, the movie uh, Bloodsport was supposedly based on a true story, the true story of Frank Dukes. That's right, a CIA operative. That's right. But but later it was suggested that he made up all that stuff oh is that true yeah oh see because at the end of the movie they put that little uh that, well the little backstory there and they tell you a little bit about frank dukes and what he's up to if you ever see the end of the movie and there's stuff written it's usually not right yeah it's usually a speculation okay so let's move on all right let's move on so we're going to get into uh a mystery that i only recently heard about and it was something it's something called the big gray man Ooh, the big gray man and that's what we could call you uh days that you're ill that was my nickname you've had the flu for a week or so mm. you get all ashen and you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're a large man, so yes. we could call you the Big Gray Man. We could. Yeah. Let's do it. So the Big Gray Man uh, is, it's basically a mysterious creature that haunts the countryside of, uh, of Scotland. Ooh. And I guess it could be, equi- uh, you know, equivalent to our, uh, a Bigfoot here in the States, the, uh, the Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Or the Yeti of the, of the Himalayas. Goes by many names. So apparently it's an inhuman creature that is said to haunt the summit and passes of the second highest peak in Scotland. And do you know what that is? The no. The second highest I, peak in Scotland? Scotland is not known for its uh, mountains. Actually, yes, it is. Yeah, it has a lot the of highlands there. The highlands. Of course, of course. Yeah. So the, the mountain is called Ben Macdui. It sounds like a scotch that I had recently. And he's not, no, he's not a, uh, a, a little obscure Jedi from the I was going to uh, say, Star or, or he could movies. be a Star Wars figure. Uh, and so actually in the, the native Scottish tongue, uh, the creature is known as Amphia Liathmore. How is this? How would you do a Scottish accent? I, that's one of the harder ones to do, I think. A Scottish, it sounds like this. No, that's British. Oh, yeah. I don't know, Those, Scottish. No, I'd have to work on that one. It doesn't come to me naturally. Oh. You know what? Speaking of which, Mike Myers mm. is Scottish. You know the actor Mike Myers? Yeah, he, yeah he does a good famous, Scottish accent. He does a great Scottish accent. As a matter of fact, there's a, a, a one of his earlier movies, which a lot of people have not seen, is called So I Married an Axe Murderer. Mm. It's hilarious. Especially there's a there's a cameo by uh, the great the late great Phil Hartman yes. uh, who plays an Alcatraz prison guard in the movie and you have to watch it. Here's I'm qu- sorry for that little. Here's d- a trivia question for you: Who played the his his uh, love interest in the movie that was supposedly the axe murderer? Uh, Nancy Travis. Oh, you got it, yeah, Nancy Travis. Uh, she was attractive back <laughs> she then. She was. Isn't she married to uh, somebody famous? Travis Tritt? No. no, I don't know. Oh, I'm thinking of anyway. Continue. So anyway, the big gray man uh, is a is a mysterious. Uh, ape-like creature that haunts the people of Scotland. Uh, it's been—it's not seen by many eyewitnesses, but there have been a few eyewitness accounts of this particular creature wandering around the Highlands. Mm-hmm. And what makes the big gray man particularly frightening? I don't know. His physical characteristics don't resemble that of a bear, and thus sightings can't be dismissed as bear sightings. So, what does he look like? Well, he's—he's he's large. He's—he's he's tall. Okay. He's big. Yep. He has his. And he happens to be gray. He's grayish in color. 
Okay. And uh, you know, he's there's there's said to be uh, uh, like you hear strange footsteps uh, rummaging through the foliage, and then suddenly you see this uh, this gray. Uh, ape-like creature man. It reminds me of you when you get drunk and you disappear into the forest and you forage around for berries and nuts to sustain yourself. That's not me. That's you. Oh. That's why you're called Ninja Smoke. Ninja Smoke. Hey, speaking of Ninja Smoke. Yes. Would you say... <laughs> would you say that... Uh, so I, I, you came in this morning. Yep. And I was eating um, egg salad. Egg salad. Yep. And, um, and it's early in the morning. And it was for breakfast time. Mm-hmm. And you said that, brec- that you can't eat egg salad. That's correct. Egg uh, salad is a lunch food. Okay. It is only to be consumed between the hours of 11 and 1. And why is that? It's eggs. No, egg salad is a traditional lunch food. It is not to be consumed no, outside no, of breakfast no. hours. It's outside eggs. Outside of lunch hours. There's eggs in it. Yep. There's mayonnaise in it. Mayonnaise is not a breakfast food, sir. You don't mix mayonnaise in with your scrambled eggs? No! Who does that? You're a barbarian. No. That's disgusting. M- mayonnaise in the scrambled eggs, so essentially... No. That's like egg salad. No. Nobody puts mayonnaise in their in their scrambled eggs. I'm sure that there are you people are, that you do are, that. You are uttering no, blasphemes, no, no, sir. I disagree. It's one of those foods that you can eat all different times. How about a BLT? No. Could you eat that in the morning? A BLT? No. That is a lunch food. No, you can it eat is that a for sandwich. breakfast. No, it's a sandwich. A BLT tomato. It's a breakfast sandwich. Tomato is not a breakfast food either. Oh, it's not? Have you ever no. had an omelet? Yes. You put tomatoes in omelets, I don't put don't tomatoes you? in omelets. Are you crazy? Of course you do. You're saying all these weird things. No, no, no. You know, I'm glad we didn't talk about this There's before. There's something wrong you, with you. Now, I would, orange I juice, come I will today. agree that orange juice is only a morning drink. No, orange juice can be enjoyed all day no, long. No, you cannot. Sure. You cannot have orange juice uh, uh, past 10 a.m. You're out of your mind. So when you go to a restaurant, if it's like 3 in the afternoon, you say, oh, give me an orange juice. I, no, I wouldn't do that because I typically don't drink orange juice. But I have So you'd eat orange juice and uh, drink orange juice and eat egg salad at 3 in the afternoon. It depends. You know what? If I have a cold or some sort of virus, I enjoy orange juice all day long. Well, you know who else enjoys egg salad and orange juice? Who? The big gray man. Oh. So that's the big gray man. So you know what? Are you done with the big gray man? Yeah. Well, my question to you is this. These stories about uh, ape-like creatures and, and yetis and big feet and Sasquatch are prevalent on... In almost every area of the world and have been for hundreds of years, right? That's true. So how does the same story get out if it's not true? If there's no inkling of truth to these stories, how does it make its way around the world like that? There has to be something to it. Well, you know, it's an oral uh, history passed on. Yes, but it's the same story. If you just hear the same thing. Oh, you hear about it in Scotland. It's the same thing as in Seattle. It's the same thing. Why is that? Because it's it's not a story. It's true. Is it true? I think so. I think that there's... There's unknown species walking around. I don't think that there's, I mean, I don't think at this point in time, uh, with the amount of, you know, uh, habitation and development in the world, um, that we're going to be finding any unknown creatures living well, in the forest. Well, you're wrong. Well, maybe not in the forest, but in the sea. In the sea, creatures well, that we still don't know. Of course. But I think you're wrong. I think that th- I think that there is some sort of weird species out there. We just don't know what it is. And it may not be a giant ape thing. It may be just like a large weirdo bear or some sort of mountain ape, mountain gorilla from that's that has made its way, you know, into the forest. Some, well, well, I know like the the mountain gorilla was you know was thought to be a mystery for or a legend for many many uh, moons, many moons until it was discovered, you know, in the relative relative recent past. Right. But uh, you know, even that was within the past what couple hundred years or something like that that yeah. happened hundred years or so. Yep. I'm reminded uh, of the coelacanth story. The coelacanth. The sure. coelacanth was a is a fish that was thought to be extinct millions of years ago. And uh, they they found one in like 1921. Or so anyway, they're always finding new stuff, and and science is always making strides. Of course, they're always finding stuff that you know, uh, no one thought was real, and it's becoming real. So those of us who are enjo- who enjoy the 
the uh, the unknown and the unexplained are, are finding vindication all the time. Mm. Uh, you know, with with new discoveries. Sure. But before we get in any further, so that's that's our their gray man story. I did want to discuss something of a social phenomenon that is bothering me. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. So you know, I think we both enjoy sports. I enjoy watching sports. Sure. Uh, playing sports, not so much uh, lately, but in our younger youth, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. play a lot of sports. I have a real problem with sports fans. Oh, I know where you're going with and this. And I want to talk about this for a moment. Okay, let's now, hear it. Again, I enjoy sports, and, and we live in the New England area, and obviously we're going to probably draw some some hate and discontent. Mm. We, I think we both can say that we, we enjoy watching the New England Patriots. Sure. Maybe at least partially fans of the team. And unprecedented success. Un- unprecedented success, drawing haters from all areas. But yep, they, used to yep. be, they used to be terrible, and we liked them then too. But anyway, besides that, there's a phenomenon that I have recently found. People identify them themselves with the team. They think they're they, part of the team. They think they're part of the team to the point where when they're, just, they're discussing the team, mm. they use the term we. We. So they say, we're playing the Falcons next week. We need to tighten up our defense. First of all, you're not on the team. No. You don't get paid. You're not part of the team. You're not a trainer or an athletic manager. You don't handle the jock straps and put them in the lockers. They or would like though, that. if they were allowed. Of course they would, because they you know they worship athletes. Which I, I I enjoy sports. I don't worship athletes. Right. But doesn't it seem ridiculous that grown men and women refer to to the team as as we? That's you're not on the team. Why do they do that? But not only that, you know, because I tend to listen to the sports radio stations. Yes. And they call in yes. with some of the most ridiculous <laughs> advice and theories and things of that sort that the team should partake in. And yeah, and, and they, they have no they have no <laughs> knowledge of the inner workings of the team. No, and not only that, they as I said before, they identify themselves as being part of the team. So when someone criticizes yeah. the team, they get offended, personally right. offended, and they'll call and they'll scream oh, yeah. at the at the uh, the talk show host for it, it, for having the audacity to say that the, they did something wrong or they should do this. I don't get it. I don't understand where it comes from. To me, it's it's a transference of personality. Mm. Maybe they they have a, some sort of def, uh, d- deficit in their life, and they're and they're, trans- they're transferring their worth to another entity. That's a little delve into the psychology of it. You know what else is a a phenomenon that I've I've noticed recently as well. It's that uh, people get a they become completely irrational. When it comes to the success of another team. Yes. So I, I know this <laughs> personally because I've experienced both sides of it. So growing up, you know, the Red Sox were uh, with wrought with futility oh, over the years. Yes. They lost heartbreaking uh, all the time. games and series all the time. Yep. And the Yankees were, were the primo team, right? Yep, Yankees were the best. So we had an irrational uh, belief <laughs> that, the, that the Yankees were cheating <laughs> and that some, some sort of crazy uh, well, conspiracy was, was going on and there was a curse and all this stuff. Yep. So... And now it's the opposite in terms of our success on the football field. You just said our. I said our. You just did it. The New England Patriots. <laughs> Subconsciously added. Subconsciously added it. Added it in so there. the Patriots, obviously, going on close to 20 years now, have been uh, you dominant. Know, dominant. They've dominated the league. They've won numerous titles. And so now we have an irrational fear from other teams. You just said we again. Well, we do. Oh. You mean us in this area? Yeah, in general. We don't work for the team. No, we don't. No. Um, and, and for one example, we we have a uh, a friend of ours who lives in upstate New York. Oh, he's a Buffalo Bills fan. Buffalo Bills fan. The worst worst people in the world are Buffalo Bills. Constantly fans. posting on Facebook that the Patriots are cheaters, <laughs> cheaters. and the refs are conspiring <laughs> with the team so they can they can win. You know, I enjoy football, but what I think they should do this would make football even more interesting. You ready for this? Sure. Once a game. They should select a random fan from the audience, from the from the crowd, and mm. put them in the game. Mm. Put, give them some pads, put them in a game for a play, and yeah. see how that goes. Yeah, uh, can you imagine what would happen to a normal person that gets hit 
let's say they have to get the ball. Yeah. Like on this play. So you got in the backfield you're, and you're you, trying to run a play. You got to run a play uh, and, and to see what would happen to a normal person when they get hit by an NFL mm. player. Like that uh, be, the old Vince Papali. Remember him? Yeah, but he wasn't a no, he was a freakish athlete. The yeah, guy he was, was he in was. great shape, and they made it seem like uh, for the movie, like they yeah. just pulled him out of the stands. No, he was a, like a real football player. He was some player. beer bellied. Uh, no, well, was Mark wit. Wahlberg, who was like he's jacked in. He's little but jacked. Yeah, who, whom I know personally, by the way. Oh, you guys hang out. You guys uh, eat dinner together. No, but I. But uh, we are we are close friends. You guys converse. You text. <laughs> you send each other uh, selfies. I can guarantee you that if I called Mark Wahlberg, he would say, "Who the hell is this." Probably. Yeah, he wouldn't know. Probably call the authorities. Anyway, so before we get into the, we're almost at the halfway point of the show. Before we get there, I want I want to do a quick news story. Mm. You know, we're always looking out for weird news stories that happen uh, related to uh, to weird and kind of strange events and stuff like that. This one here has a tie to uh, to a, a place that is near and dear to our hearts, and that is the island nation of Japan. Oh. You know, that both of us, uh, we've iterated on this show before, had spent an extended period of time in Japan, mm. very fond of the Japanese people and the oh, culture. And and sort of. So uh, this one takes place there. Here's the headline. Sumo wrestling champion sentenced for hitting opponent with karaoke remote control. In a match? No. Oh. So here's the deal. This is the Dateline Japan. Oh. I have to do that. A sumo champion has been fined thousands of dollars for hitting a junior wrestler with a karaoke machine remote control. Former grand champion Yokozuna Harufamachi Kohi oh. was ordered to pay 500,000 yen, which I don't know how much that is. Uh, $5,000? For assaulting rising star Takanawa Yoshimori while drinking at a bar in Fukuoka, South Japan. Were they drinking Orion? Takanawa's skull was initially thought to be fractured by the karaoke remote, and he had to withdraw from a tournament as he was hospitalized for three days. Wow. Evidently, the sumo champion became enraged when his young sumo rival kept checking his phone during the champion's karaoke performance of the Elvis classic Blue Hawaii. You know what? I, I, gotta, I gotta admit, I understand. Of course. Yokozuna's frustration. That's, yeah, if someone's checking their phone during your performance. I mean, come on. You're singing a little, uh, uh, you know, uh, Blue Hawaii. What is that song? I don't by know how Meat it goes. Loaf? How does it go? Paradise at the Dashboard Light. Oh, that, that song takes like nine minutes. You're singing that. Of Some course. of the people are playing on their phone. Yeah, they're not paying not attention. Paying, or they're having conversations amongst themselves. Yeah, no, no, no. No, I could never be a rock star because if I looked out in the, uh, the crowd and they weren't looking at me, mm. I'd get pissed and I'd start throwing stuff. You'd jump into the crowd and pound them. Anyway, so that's what the sumo wrestling did. Sumo wrestling. What was that remote made out of? Concrete? I don't know, but he smashed it. You think how strong this guy has to be to s- fracture your skull with a remote control? Yeah, I don't know. Something weird about that. Anyway. Yokozuna. All right, so here we are at the halfway point of the show. So I, I got to harken back uh, a few weeks ago to something that occurred. So I don't know if you guys remember, but um, I had a, a psychic moment. When I, I do was, remember your psychic moment. Yeah, I don't know if I talked about it on the you show. You did. I did? Yep, we, so, we covered it. Yeah, so I, I had a, a strange dream about Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> and then it turns out a couple days later in the news, he was one of the latest uh, the uh, Me Too v- movement victims of the uh, you know sexual... Uh, you know Sexual deviancy. Exactly. He got in trouble, and uh, his career is probably over. But anyway, so I predicted that in a dream. Yes, you did. So uh, today, I'm going to prove to Mike, and I'm going to prove to the world <laughs> that I have psychic abilities beyond just uh, a premonitional dreams. Okay. Okay? Let's do it. So what I want, what I need Mike to do to start this is he's got a pen in his hand. I do. He needs to think think of a uh, a character or a person. So it could be... Uh, it can be fictional. You could say, like, uh, Superman. Right. Or you could think, like, Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. Anybody. Well, he's a real person, though. Yeah, that's fine. You can, oh, because it's going to be a real person or a, or a fake person. Yeah, think, you can think of anybody. Okay. Think of anybody, and uh, go ahead and write it down on that paper, and don't show me. Okay, ready? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Mike a series of questions. Okay, it's done. I'm going to ask Mike a series of questions to help me 
figure out who he wrote down. Okay. All right. Let's do it. All right. So give me a second here. I gotta. Uh, I gotta. I gotta harken back and uh, harness my psychic powers. Ooh. And I have to get some uh, good background music going. This so I'm gonna like, ask it you. Sounds like, it sounds like we're in an opium den. Yep. Exactly. That's where we're at. Oh. All right. Is your character's gender female? No. Does your character own a car? I don't know. You don't know. That's not helping. Is your character from YouTube? No. Okay. Is your character real? No. Okay. Does your character wear shoes? Yes. Well, that's narrowing it down. <laughs> Is your character from a TV series? Yes. Is your character animated? Yes. Oh, see, I'm getting close. Is your character from a Japanese anime? No. Is your character a human? Yes. Oh, that's good. Does your character fight evil? No. No. Oh, you're throwing me for a loop here. Was your character on a children's TV show? Yes. Okay. Is your character a nice person? No. Oh. Does your character have dark hair? No. Does your character have a bald head? Yes. Oh. Let's see, I'm getting close. Mm, you are. Is your character associated with Looney Tunes? Yes. Aha. Uh -huh. Oh see? my god, this is creepy! I told you, I'm psychic. What is going on? Is your character a hunter? Yes! Uh -huh. Oh my god! Oh, your character is Elma Fudd. How the hell did you do that? <laughs> I'm serious. That's I, ridiculous. Yes. You know what, folks? This is 100% true. Yep. Uh, I wrote down Elmer Fudd, yep. thinking there was no way uh, on earth you yes. would ever be able to there. Wow. I gotcha. Great experience Yeah, there. you see that? I'm amazed. I'm going to get my own TV show. You know, we should be on television. I've thought about this before. Yep. Um, and I've noticed that we have a lot more talent than most of the folks on television today. Mm. We could entertain people for hours. Hours. Just doing our normal thing. And even thing. if we don't entertain people, we could entertain ourselves. We entertain ourselves frequently. We'll just constantly watch reruns of ourselves. So that was the halfway bit of the show. That's right. So I think you're going to go next with, with because you have more stories than me. That's right. So I want to talk a little bit about um, reincarnation. Ooh. So I don't know if you remember, uh, weeks back we had a show, a portion of a show on reincarnation. Yep. And I talked a little bit about um, some of my past lives. And if you recall, one of my past lives, uh, I fought in the French and Indian War, mm -hmm. and I died years later of syphilis. Yes. So something I have to correct Mike on, he doesn't know this is coming. Uh-oh. So I said to you that I wondered if in my past life I caught syphilis from a native woman. Yes. And you said to me that it probably wasn't prevalent in the native population. That's what I thought, yes. Ah, well, believe it or not, you'd be wrong. Really? I did a little research on this. And syphilis was actually unknown to Europeans oh. until we came to the Americas. Uh, so it was something Americas. that they already had. The natives had it, and they gave it to Europeans, who in turn brought it back to Europe. How did the natives get it? That was just a disease that was within their populations. I didn't know that. And uh, uh, the Europeans called it French pox. Oh. And they called it well, a couple other things. Well, thank you for that correction. I enjoy being corrected. So, so yeah. So I, you I enjoy being disciplined, too. I did. I got it, I got it from a native Whacked woman. around. Woman. I like to be beaten by native women yes. in their... With their uh, clubs. In their seal leggings. And their, cu and their cudgels. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about the Pollock sisters. Okay, let's talk about... Oh, are they related to the Mackerel sisters from up the road? No, they're related to the Pointer sisters. Oh. Uh, the 80s, 70s, and 80s, uh, all... African-American... Uh, the Pointer Sisters, yeah. Very vibrant uh, singing group. El elaborate. Yeah. So today, basically about 24% of Americans believe in reincarnation. You I thought you were going to say 24% of Americans had syphilis, because I'd be like, oh my God, I'm that's, screwed. That's bad. Literally, you are screwed. But uh, So you can count me amongst the 24%. That have syphilis? That oh. believe in reincarnation. So mm -hmm. although scientists tend to poo-poo the possibility, oh. 
Every once in a while, a story comes around that is so compelling and it's otherwise basically unexplained, it gives scientists pause. And we've talked a little bit about yeah. some of these cases Every in the past. Every once in a while, right. So that's what we have with the, uh, the story of the Pollock sisters. Now, I don't know if they're related to Jackson Pollock. <laughs> but anyway, in 1957, two young uh, English sisters, Joanna Pollock, 11, and Jacqueline Pollock, Jacqueline. six, they died in a, uh, in a tragic uh, oh, automobile accident. Hmm. So one year later, uh, their mother, who I don't know her name, but yeah. she was a... Uh, Let's call her Jane. Jane was a fine, a fine young lady. She gave... The mother gave birth to twins mm-hmm. after the after other the two, other had, two were had perished. Got That's it. right. And those two were named Jillian and Jennifer. Okay. And when the twins were old enough to talk, when they could start babbling about, they began identifying and requesting toys that had belonged to their dead sisters. Oh. So for some reason, they, they wanted these toys. They felt like, uh, uh, you know, an eerie attachment or, a, or an attraction, if you will, to the toys of their, their dead, the long dead sisters. Uh-huh. They were also uh, pointing out landmarks only their dead sisters would have known, such as the schools that they attended, long before uh, the children would have had any idea about any kind of school uh, of that kind. Wow. And sometimes uh, they panicked upon seeing cars idling, saying, that car is coming to get us. Oh. And uh, a- reportedly they, were sh- they would shriek on occasion, seeing idling vehicles, things like that. So they were scared of vehicles. I'm going to shoot a-, a torpedo into your story in just a moment. Ooh. But anyway, continue. Yeah, easy with your torpedo. Mm-hmm. After the twins turned five, these incidents became less frequent and the girls went on to lead normal lives. Still, the story of the Pollock sisters made its way onto, uh, uh, to Dr. Ian Stevenson, who was a, a noted psychologist who studied reincarnation. And uh, after studying you know, thousands of these cases, Stevenson wrote a book telling of, uh, 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 that he believed that the Pollock sisters' story was real and that they had been reincarnated into the other sisters. Can I, can I, and first of all, that's very interesting. Yes. But can I shoot down this theory? Well, you know, we're here to... Uh, you know, to debate things here on the program. So let's say, for instance, the, you know, the circumstances were the the younger sisters were killed in a car wreck. Mm. The other ones are born. Now, the toy thing, the toys are present in the home. They sure. were there anyway, sure. probably before. Yep. So the kids saw them and they wanted those toys. Yep. That's not supernatural. And the whole car idling thing and then being afraid of cars. I'm sure that the little kids heard the story about how their sure. their their siblings were horribly killed and they would have an innate fear of cars. So I, I would agree with you in that sense, because if you think about it, the, you know, I, I'm sure the parents were ha, were traumatized. Sure. Uh, and always, you know, retained some of that traumatic experience and probably even unknowingly... Unknowingly said things, right. And subconsciously would say things to the youth. Right. And probably avoided cars and putting the kids in cars. And That's stuff possible. Like that. Or they were actually the reincarnated... Uh, Which one's more likely? Yeah. You know, I always... I don't, I don't, I, I don't think that the... That the kids would reincarnate in such a fashion. I think that you reincarnate yeah, ye- maybe years later, or or completely different culture and country and continent and stuff like that. And mm. I think that's probably more likely. That's right. So, am I going next? You want to go ahead? Sure. So, I have one for you, and before and it has something to do with. It's a very mysterious story. It's something I didn't know a whole lot about, and I hope that the uh, encourages people to do a little bit more search. Have you ever heard of the Circleville letters? No. Okay. Before I begin, I want to stipulate something. Can we stipulate something for the purposes of this conversation? Okay. People are jerks. Did you know that? Yeah, you know, a lot of people can be jerks. A lot of people. Small towns have a reputation of being these, like, little safe havens protected from the larger world of jerks, right? Mm. You figure small towns are are ideal, idyllic places to live. Sometimes they're the worst, though. Sometimes small towns can hide really messed up people. Yeah. Circleville, Ohio, which is a small town of about 14,000 residents, which is about how many kids went to our high school, uh, 
was the scene of a bizarre mystery that began in the summer of 1976 and has been yet to be fully explained. That was a good summer, by the way. Yes. The summer of 76. Mm. Bicentennial babies. Someone started sending anonymous letters to various people in the town that contained dark secrets about them and reported stuff that not just anyone would know. So basically, people started getting these letters um, that included things, you know, that, that you wouldn't normally have revealed to anyone. Sure. And... The, the the letters support uh, reportedly went to many people, but no one knows exactly how many because who's going to go around bragging that their secrets are now out mm. or that somebody has their secrets? That's something that you would usually keep private if somebody started sending you anonymous letters. Yep. The letters were unsigned, written in block letter format, and postmarked in nearby Columbus, Ohio. So you know what I mean? Block letter format, like like an old style printing. Yeah, yeah, just just printed in all like caps kind yeah. of. Yeah, and that's just obviously that's done as a, as a way to disguise handwriting. Obscure it. Right. So the letters were unsigned. I said they were postmarked from Columbus. Supposedly, the letters also contained threats of violence and lewd drawings. So, like, Ooh. I don't know what that lewd drawings. I used to make. You ever do lewd drawings when you were a kid? Yeah, you draw like, uh, you know, boobs, boobs, and stuff like ladies that. parts, lady parts, and pencil, and quickly hide it when the teacher came by. Anyway, so supposedly these letters went to all sorts of residents of Circleville, but the focus of the letter writer soon became a lady by the name of Mary Gillespie, a local bus driver. Mm. Mary started getting all sorts of threatening letters saying that they knew where she lived. Her house was... Well, of course they know where she lives. They mailed it to her house. Of course. Uh, her house was under surveillance and veiled threats against her kids. So this, that's disconcerting. You know, once you start involving people's kids, mm. uh, you've gone over the line, in my opinion. I don't think you should send anonymous letters anyway, but th- that's a story for another day. I did that once. You sent an anonymous letter? I did. To who? It was m- m- myself and a uh, young uh, school friend of mine. And we had a problem with another student in class. <laughs> and we drew a bunch of lewd pictures, if you will, mm. and all kinds of crazy, wrote all kinds of crazy things on it. Maybe you were the Circleville lighter. And, uh, writer, and, and sent it to him. And also, I hate to depart, but while I'm thinking of this, right around the same time, we also scheduled a uh, funeral service for, uh, uh, we prank called a funeral home <laughs> and scheduled a funeral service for uh, somebody in their dead relative. That's not funny. And it didn't really happen. You can't do that anymore. No, you can't. You can't, you can't make prank calls. But in any case, so these these letters started arriving to Mary Gillespie uh, that were, as, as I said, containing some sort of threats and stuff. Also, the anonymous writer indicated that he knew Mary was having an affair mm-hmm. with the school superintendent, and she needed to end it immediately. So she's a bus driver. And the superintendent? And she's having an affair. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Well, some bus drivers are, are, uh, are quite comely, mm. if you didn't know that. No. Some, some of them are. <laughs> you don't know. Anyway, she's supposed to end the affair immediately. She did what most people, most guilty people would do, and that's what? Don't tell anyone. Yeah. So she's getting threatening letters. If you had nothing to hide, you'd probably just bring that up and say, hey, this person's telling lies about me, mm. you know, sending me threatening letters. She, so she doesn't tell anyone, which leads me to believe that some of the letters contain truths. Mary did, as I said, didn't tell anybody. She hid the letters away, and she went on with her life, mm-hmm. trying to anyway, until one day, a letter arrived addressed to Ron Gillespie, Mary's husband. Uh-oh. This one informed Ron that his wife was stepping out with the superintendent and threatened him to end the affair immediately. So mm-hmm. basically telling Ron, hey, stop your wife from banging the superintendent. Sure. Ron confronted Mary. Mary denied it. Of course she would. And the two tried to move on. But evidently, the person was also sending letters to other people in the town uh, related to the affair because rumors started spreading that Mary was banging the superintendent and... Uh, you know, so, so rumors start spreading in the town. This is now it's becoming an unbearable environment yeah. for the Gillespie's yep. because this sort of thing is happening. 
So this is all coming to a head. Up to this point, it sounds kind of stupid and childish and sophomoric. Sure. But one fine day, Ron received another letter that said, this, here's what it said, quote, Gillespie, you have had two weeks and done nothing. Admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CBS, posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out. Wow. At this point, based on some of the information contained in the letters, Ron and Mary began to think that the letter writer was Ron's brother-in-law. So he has an advertising budget. That's yeah, pretty good. More than we have. Anyway, so they started to think it was Ron's brother-in-law, a man by the name of Paul Freshour. Never trust a man named Paul. Paul. Oh, we know a guy named Paul. He's a good guy. Oh, yeah. He sorry. listens to the show. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Paul. Sorry, Paul. So what did they do? They, I don't know why. It doesn't stipulate why they thought it was the brother-in-law, Paul, but they mm. did. They thought it was him. So they did the, the obvious common sense step, which would be? Call the authorities. No. They started to send threatening letters back to Paul. Oh. <laughs> so basically telling him to cut the crap. Cut it so out. We know it's you. Stop it, Paul. Stop sending us letters. And for a while, the crap did doth stop. Oh. So they thought, you know, hey, we got our man. It's Paul. Until about a year later. Now, here's what the story... Oh, here's so he story, laid low for a year. Here's where the story really gets creepy. Okay. About a year later, Ron received a, a telephone call at his home. Mary didn't know who was on the phone at the time, but it was obviously an upsetting call because Ron slammed the phone down, grabbed his handgun, oh. and bolted out the door. He then got in his car and drove away rapidly. So he didn't say where he was going. He grabbed his gun, run out to the car. Hope he's got a concealed carry permit. And drive away. A short distance away from the home, Ron's car was found wrapped around a tree, and Ron was dead. Oh, did he shoot himself in the head? Here we go. Police investigating the scene determined some weird stuff about this accident scene. Ron's handgun had been fired once, but he wasn't shot, and there was no evidence where the round may have impacted. Mm. So they could tell that he shot the gun. He, did the he himself wasn't shot. He himself was not shot. Okay. Toxicology report indicated a, B, a blood alcohol content of 1.5 times the legal limit. So he's pretty drunk. Oh, yeah. Although Ron was not known to be a drinker at all, and actually some people said he was a, you know what a teetotaler is? Yeah, yeah, somebody who's... Somebody who thinks that alcohol is evil. Exactly, and, and, and it makes you feel bad if you're drinking. Right, that's yeah. what they thought he was, but his BAC was 1.5 times the legal limit. The investigation concluded that the death was accidental. The police uh, sheriff said that the death was accidental as a car accident. However, the letter writer didn't like that. So he started sending letters to a bunch of different people stating that there was a cover-up and the sheriff was in on it. Oh, also, the writer started attempting to intimidate not just Mary, but other residents and elected officials in the town, periodically sending letters seemingly at random, but also containing personal information. Mm. Paul Freshour, the guy who, uh, you know, who they thought was behind it, was questioned by police, but denied that it, he was a letter writer and they had no evidence on him. They couldn't prove it. They couldn't they prove couldn't that he print, was a They couldn't pin it on Paul. No. So the letters continued. Uh, now Ron is dead. This went on for six years. Oh, my God. Periodically, letters coming out. Yeah. Different people. Another fine day. This is probably... Mary's life sucks. Maybe it was the Unabomber. At this point. Another day, six years later, Mary's driving the bus down the street, as she is as she is wanting to do. Yep. She is a bus driver. When she noticed a sign on the side of the road with a crude message directed at her and threatening her daughter, <laughs> she stopped the bus and tore down the sign, thinking, what the heck is this? You yeah. Know, this is a new thing. A little further down the road, she saw another sign... With a similar with a similar message, but this one had a little box attached to it. So she did the common sense thing, which is call the authorities. No, she took the box <laughs> and brought it back to the bus with her because she wanted to open it. I see. Probably something that you shouldn't do. What if it was a bomb in there? She opened the box and inside was a loaded pistol pointed straight at her. Oh, it was a crude booby trap designed to go off, shoot and shoot the person who opened the box. Not a booty trap. No, the booby trap did not go off. So Mary brought it to the police. 
Although an attempt had been made to, made to file off the serial number, because you know you can. That's people a felony. Think, yeah. Well, people think you just file. Most people don't know. Should we say it? I'll tell no, you. no, no, no. I won't tell you no. that. Anyway, so they tried to file off the serial number. And it didn't work. So they traced the gun. They were able to trace back through purchase history to Paul Freshour, the person who supposedly oh, was writing the letter. So it was Paul. They have evidence now. Now listen. Oh. Paul was arrested, but claimed he had lost the weapon years before. Oh, how, how convenient. Sure. Paul was tried and convicted of attempted murder, sentenced to 25 years for, for trying to kill Mary. Good. So that's the end of it, right? Nope. No. More letters went out after Paul was already in jail, including some to Paul himself, basically <laughs> laughing at him and saying that they had set him up. What is happening? Taking credit for setting him up. I don't understand this. Paul did his time, did 10 years, and died in 2012, maintaining that he was not the letter writer. Hmm. Weird postscript to this story. Six months after Paul Freshour was released from jail, the TV show Unsolved Mysteries aired a segment on the Circle of the Letter. Remember Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack? The Robert Stack one? Oh. Scared the crap out yeah, of me. Yeah, I didn't like that. So they, they did a little bit on it. A few days later, the network got a letter written by the Circleville writer said that seeming, seemingly by the same hand that said, forget Circleville, Ohio. If you come here, you El Sicos will pay. El Sico. El Sicos. Ah, so he's Hispanic. Probably not. Oh. Signed, the Circleville writer. So what you have is you have a suspicious death, you have intimidation and extortion and affairs, and you have a mm. person sent to jail. Then you have another person saying they set that person up, and this has never been explained. You know what it sounds like to me? It almost sounds like a it sounds like a serial killer yeah. who didn't kill people. Like this was his he way. He was setting of, people in motion. Yeah, this is his way to kind of get off on it. You yeah. know what I mean? No, he's getting other people to do what yeah. he wants them to do. Yeah, exactly. By, by writing letters. I, I don't know. I had never really heard of this story before. No, I hadn't heard until you said it. It's incredibly uh, compelling, okay. and I'm surprised they haven't done. And this is like all. This movie. is all documented. Yeah, this is a true story. I'm going to go back and watch the Unsolved Mysteries uh, version of this. That's a good. You know, the Unsolved Mysteries thing was scary. Uh, they <laughs> they once did a a murder mystery, unsolved murder mystery in our town. Yes. Uh, when we were growing up, and it scared the living Jesus out of me. You know what I didn't like about that was uh, so Robert Stack he had that very deep and uh, ominous voice, yes, and his did. presentation was kind of scary. Yep. And the music, yeah, it was like the perfect, perfect, went, perfect combination of scary things. So I was just a kid, right? And uh, and then the, you know what the worst part of it all of it all was? What's that? Composite sketches. They would always throw up the composite <laughs> yeah. sketch. Those are always creepy. And they'd play the music, sketches. and if you have seen this man, and I'd be like, bah, oh, that's a guy down the street. So the only way I could go back to go to sleep after the program was over, because I think it ran from like 8 to 9 yep. on Wednesdays, and then at 9 o'clock on the dot on NBC came Night Court. Oh, Night Court was a funny from show. From 9 to 9.30. Yes. So I was allowed to stay up later to watch Night Court to decompress from my uh, Unsolved Mystery show. See, the uh, traumatization of it. Exactly. I enjoyed Marky Post. She was a hot lady. Oh, I liked her big hair. She was a hot, hot 80s lady. I liked Roz. Remember Roz? Roz? The big black the large bailiff? black bailiff lady? The female one? The, the overweight one? Yeah. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, she was cool. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's so that was the good. Circleville Letters Circle, Circleville Letters, sure. Yeah, never heard of it before. Never heard of it. So I'm going uh, to do one more. All right. And this is kind of uh, along the same lines as the uh, the Pollock children, kind of. Kind of, sort of. So you, you, may have, you may be asking yourself, where are the Sodder children? I wasn't asking myself that at all. You didn't? No. Nope. You didn't ask yourself that? Well, like the Pollocks, maybe I should, maybe I should delve into my psychic ability to figure this one out. <laughs> George and Jenny Sodder of West Virginia. Have you ever been to West Virginia? I can say that I've never been to West Virginia. Really? It's, I think I've, I've driven through it, maybe. Yeah, I've been there many a time. It's, uh, it's a mountainous state. I think I drove through it. It's, uh, it used to be part of Virginia. Yeah, why did they, why did they it's, differentiate uh, it? Now it's, it's got a weird shape. It looks like some sort of sea creature. It does. It does have, it's like a bulbous end to mm -hmm. it. It's got sticks. That's right. Sticks. Stalks, if you will. Yep. 
So uh, they were forced to cope not only with the immeasurable loss of the children, of their children, oh. but also the mysterious circumstances surrounding that loss. What happened? So after the Sadr uh, home burned burned to the ground, which we all know is a, it would be a tragedy sure. beyond words if yes. your home was uh, was burned yes. to the ground. That happened the night before Christmas in 1945. Oh, that's even so, worse time than Ah, definitely not. So it would have been Christmas Eve, I would guess, oh, right? The yeah. night before Christmas. Everybody was nestled snugly in their beds until they had to run out of the house. And sugar plums in their heads. So five of the ten Sato children were still alive and accounted for. So five of the so ten. So ten children. They were ten total. So that's a lot of children. But yeah. back then, actually, that was... Uh, yeah, that people had big families. They didn't have cable. That's right. They had nothing right. to do. They had nothing to do but, you know, relate Co-create. with each other. But what about the other five? Oh, I don't know. Apparently, they were missing. From all accounts, it would seem that they had vanished into thin air because they had all disappeared. How come nobody ever dis- disappears into thick air? You ever know one of that? Wouldn't you think thick air would be the better way to disappear? Yeah, it's, it's more dense. You can, like a you fog? Can, you can hide in the air. You can hide in a fog. You can't hide in thin air. No, it's too thin. Hmm. Notice how he didn't say vanished into smoke. No. Notice how I didn't say that. You didn't say that, no. That's because in the ruins of the fire, zero physical evidence of the children can be found. No oh. bones, no clothes, no hair, no teeth. Well, isn't it true that sometimes fires can burn hot enough to... Uh, to, to literally destroy... Not not a house fire. Not a house fire. No, no, okay. no way. So that's virtually impossible from a scientific standpoint. Okay. But that wasn't all that smelled off about the events of that night. I bet it smelled bad. It did. So apparently George tried to save the children who he believed were still trapped inside by using his coal truck. Oh, what? maybe we're onto something. How did he do that? Which apparently was inoperable. The what? phone lines were to the house were found to have been cut. What? And a woman claimed to have seen all five missing children peering from a passing car while the fire was in progress. Yee, that's creepy. So the, f- the five children that were missing were so seen. So someone saw the kids alive after the fire. That's right. That was a, a woman at a Charleston hotel. A Charleston Chew hotel? You ever have Charleston Chews? Oh. The only way Charleston Chew can be appropriately enjoyed is if it's frozen. You have to freeze it. Yep. Otherwise, you're going to pull your teeth out. Sorry. Go ahead. So apparently this woman, she saw the children's photos in a newspaper. And uh, she said she had seen four of the five a week after the fire. So oh. they're still seeing these children, the ones okay. that have been mis- that are missing. But no one saw wh- who was uh, driving them. No, the children were accompanied by two women and two men, all of Italian extraction. Wait a minute. So someone saw five children and four adults in a car. That's they saw them all together. Is it a clown car? Yep, yep. So apparently, in this woman's statement, she said, and I'm quoting here. I tried to talk to the children in a friendly manner, but the men appeared hostile and wouldn't allow it. Did they swing copper spoons at her? Hey, I got a copper spoon. I'm an Italian. Hey. Italiano. The Sauter family theorized that the children had been kidnapped, perhaps in an attempt to extort money. Oh. Or, uh, you know, obviously. You know what I'm betting? If that? you have 10 kids, you don't have any money. Probably not. Because I got four kids and I don't have any money. <laughs> perhaps they were uh, trying to coerce uh, George into joining the local mafia. Of course, the Sodders were Italian. Uh, uh, Italian um, Sodder is not an Italian. Well, that's name. Their, no. Their their origins are Italian. Apparently, oh, the family they probably has changed. Italian, it used to be like Sodorini or something like that. That's probably right, or Santorini, or perhaps in retaliation for George's outspoken criticism of Mussolini. Oh, and Italy's fascist government. You can't you can't criticize Mussolini, which we which we know during 1945, uh, 44, 45, yeah. they were at the height of their power. Il Duce. Ah. So from the 1950s until Jenny Sodder's death. In the late 1980s, the Sauter family maintained a billboard on State Route 16 over there in uh, Virginia, and they had pictures of the five uh, vanished children. So they, they, so they searched the fire. There was no evidence of the children. Right. Everybody else got out okay. So theoretically, there would be uh, forensic evidence. That's right. That they were in the fire. So there were never any for- forensic evidence. And the last known uh, surviving Sauter, Sauter child, who's Sylvia, she's almost 70 now, Yeah, she still doesn't believe that her siblings perished in the fire, which obviously... 
uh, well, you know, they never turned up anywhere. So that's odd. So, but the only person that ever saw them was the one person. Yes, that's a bit odd too. So, I mean, many theories abound here. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it's possible that uh, you know the family was broken into, the house was broken into, mm-hmm. children were kidnapped. Yep. Um, it doesn't. The story doesn't really give much about. How old the children were? Um, well, if you're gonna kidnap five, why don't you just get the rest of them? Well, they didn't have enough enough room in their uh, oh, uh, the SUV in, in their uh, uh, what are they Studebaker? They had a Studebaker at the time to, uh, they to had get ed- all the children. They had an Edsel, an Edsel. Yep. yep. So uh, yeah, so they they disappeared. They were never found there, and the mystery uh, remains to this day: the mystery of the Sodder children. Well, you know what? If if it was a, some sort of kidnapping for ransom, they, they would have had a ransom demand at some point. At some point, the, sure. the kids would have shown up dead if yep. they didn't. You know, a lot of a lot of kidnappings, unfortunately, end up with the kidnappee being murdered within the first twenty four hours or forty eight hours or whatever whatever the case may be. That's right. And even though the person is dead, they still try to get the the ransom money. And you know why? It's hard to keep somebody. Uh, secreted away mm. without them getting away. Not that I would ever know or, or, or I've never engaged in that sort of behavior if anyone's listening. Or how about, uh, what was it, that uh, that case a few years ago where the guy had those uh, those women in his oh, house for like Cleveland, years? Oh, in Cleveland, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was that weird. That was disgusting. That was a strange one. Yeah, anyway. That was great. Well, some unsolved mysteries today, some hearkening uh, back to our the reasons that we started doing the show, and that's because we like to enjoy strange and unexplained mysteries with you and, and encourage you, the listener... To go ahead and, and research on your own and try to find the answers to these things. That's right. Uh, you know, delve into your uh, into your uh, uh, subconscious mind, if you will. Yes. And delve deeply into the mysteries of the universe. Get out there, find, research, read, learn things. That's a great radio voice you got there. Oh, uh, that sounds interesting. So, uh, yeah. So we, you know, we appreciate the uh, the listenership. You know, we're back. We're going to be back. Uh, a back on a regular every, schedule every uh, every week. But, you know, and uh, we encourage you, and, and I always say this at the conclusion of every show, go ahead and reach out to us. Uh, you, can, you can email us at theeonproject at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Twitter. Um, uh, very active on Twitter, always uh, making comments and things of that sort. Uh, it'd be nice if, uh, to get some feedback from our listeners. I know, I know you're out there. Uh, send yeah, us a note. Yeah, exactly. And if you want us to talk about anything on the show, oh, we got some. Yeah, we got some exciting. Uh, sh- uh, got some uh, listener uh, suggestions for shows I haven't even discussed with you yet. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if gonna... you have any opinions on what's proper breakfast food, if yeah. egg salad should be eaten other if, portions of the day, if you think egg morning, salad should be eaten in the morning, I don't want to hear from you because it, you're it a bar- could be. You're it, a barbarian. It's acceptable to eat no. it in the morning. No, it is not. It is. Nope. Well, you drink coffee throughout the day, don't you? That's yeah. a breakfast. No, uh, time I stopped meal. drinking coffee after noon. Noon is the cutoff for That's coffee. That's the cutoff for you? No more coffee. Oh, okay. Anyway. Well, you got me on that one. All right, and we'll, uh, we'll delve further into my psychic ability, too, at, a, at Actually, another Actually, that point. was very exciting and, and, and uh, impressive, I have to say. All right. You got anything else to add right now? Nope. Thank you for listening. All right. So just remember, the truth exists. Believe it. <laughs>